0: So I have to tell you that it just occurred to me that I thought to myself, we should pray for whoever's doing children's church, because that was a lot of kids that just walked out of here. And then I thought, that's silly, and it's funny, and it's true, so let's pray for the kids and the people that are doing children's church. Let's do that. That's a good way for us to start. Oh God, who is our Father, the one who is with us always. It was wonderful to see all of the kids that just went to the back to go to the children's church. And we are so grateful for the sound of them among us. And we're grateful for... All of the little hearts full of joy, and uh, all the little hearts that are full of all kinds of other things too, their tempestuous little selves that bring so much to our community here at Central. Oh God, be with our children because they are your children. Be with those that teach them. Be with those that guide them and father may they grow in the name of jesus to be people who know you who seek you and who find you in the name of jesus we pray amen we are made to be people who know god the creator in uh, of the cosmos doesn't didn't just make us and set us off in a separate place so that we would be kind of separate for him and maybe he could come visit every now and then. We were made to be people who intimately know that God is not just around occasionally, but that God is always with us. We were made to be people of connection. People who constantly have a way of understanding that God is always with us. Sorry, I went the wrong way. (laughs) See if I get that. Oh, I'm fighting you up there today. I'm so sorry, Keegan. Here we go. I'll let you drive. We were designed to be people with connection. People who always were aware that the one who made everything, and indeed made us, and who knows us inside and out, we are made to be aware of that God's presence with us. And it is a dark, twisted irony of the world that one of the vehicles with which we were supposed to know that connection, the vehicle of prayer, has become for many people, people, something that actually makes them separated from God in certain ways. For some people, Jesus speaks about how they use prayer to build themselves up in front of other people. They use it as something that will make them look good in front of other people, a a reputation enhancer, something that they can use so that other people will say, why They must be so smart about God. They must know so much about God. They must be people who are especially holy. And Jesus says, don't pray like those folks. If you pray like that, then you're not going to get the reward of actually connecting with God or any kind of other reward that God may wish to give you for your prayer. Those people have looked good in front of other people. They have made their reputation look fine and glorious, and they've kind of got what they're going to get out of it. That's it. And there are other people who maybe misunderstand who God is. Jesus speaks of the Gentiles or the the pagans, those people who don't know the God of Israel. And they've got lots of things that they want to do to connect with the God of the, the creator, the forces of the universe. And they may not call that God by the same name. They may speak of of Zeus or Poseidon or, or maybe some uh, Bacchus or some other god, but they have a lot of things that they say because they want to manipulate God and in, uh, in, in those forces of nature into doing what they want to. So don't be like the hypocrites and don't be like those pagans who just go on babbling, 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 babbling. I understand there's irony in me saying that right now, but just go with me. Don't be like all those folks. God isn't rewarding you just based on what things look like and God isn't waiting for you to say the right combination of magic words for you to hear him. In fact, he already knows everything that you need before you even open your mouth. No, prayer is for something than either of those things. Prayer is a tool. It is a practice by which we connect to God. Now I've had this date circled on my calendar for a little while and I realized earlier in this week when I sat down to really work on the sermon, I realized that I had been very foolish because I just had this one date on my calendar that where the sermon was going to be prayer. and I. What am I thinking, right? Like I have so much more that I want to say about prayer. And I, at some point along the way, we're going to devote ourselves to a special time of really reflecting on prayer piece by piece. But in this week where we're reflecting on the Sermon on the Mount, we're kind of in this journey of the Sermon on the Mount. We've come to this section where Jesus teaches us one of it's one of the most famous things that lots of people who may not even know a lot about what Jesus was teaching. They know this. They know this prayer that starts off by saying, Our Father. Now, this prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer, is a very important and core thing that Jesus taught his disciples. When Luke tells the story of Jesus giving them this prayer, he he tells the story by the disciples coming to him and they say to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And they kind of comment, you know, other people, the the other religious teachers, John the Baptist, his followers, they, they all know how to pray. We want to know how to pray, too. So, Lord, teach us how to pray. And then Jesus gives them this prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. They came to Jesus to speak that, that question, Lord, teach us to pray, because they perceived that Jesus was a person in his prayer who was deeply connected to God. They knew that Jesus was a person who had an intimate connection to God. And so they eagerly desired for Jesus to show them how to have that kind of connection too. And so Jesus starts off and he teaches them our father in heaven, right? And this little thing that he uh, speaks at the beginning, our Father, is a great place for us to, to open into this. Because Jesus is using a phrase to talk about God that reflects the very kind of connection that I'm talking about. God isn't just some distant being, some vague abstract notion. God is like a close, attentive father who sees his people and who desires to be with them who has joy in being with his children now there are lots of places in the new testament where Jesus or somebody else speaks of God as a father in the gospels this is some of the most instructive language that Jesus gives us about God is that God is a father for us the New Testament audaciously uses that father language to talk about God often. Now, the most concentrated place that it shows up is in the Gospel of John. Now, John says uh, over a hundred times, 109 times, John uses the phrase uh, the father or uh, something, uh, some nature of father to refer to God. Now, I have to say, because parishes dad. Uh, Paul Pollard who was my Greek teacher is sitting back there and I got to tell you I want to run and hide okay and he's go back there going now Stephen the gospel of John surely uses the word father many more than hundred and nine times it's a very common word it's surely in there many more times and it is more at times than that but sometimes it's using the word father to refer to like there was the father of a blind man or there was the father of a, of a of a child that was possessed by the devil or something like that right and so There are over 100 times though, 109 times, where John speaks of not just a father, but he uses that word to refer to God. God is the Father. Now, here's the catch. In most of those times, John is speaking about the Father as a way of indicating Jesus's intimacy with God. The Father is the one who the Son knows in a special way. The Father is the one who sent the Son into the world. No one has seen the Father except for the Son who makes him known. These kinds of things that John has to say, uh, Jesus has to say about God as Father. And is usually indicating his special relationship With Jesus. Now you remember this because you studied John all through the spring before we got here, right? And Jesus is all the time referring to God as his father throughout that story, except for there's one time near the end of the story in John chapter 20. And there the resurrected Jesus meets Mary in the garden. And he says to Mary, don't cling to me, don't grab a hold of me. I think she's got a really tight hug there with, you know, that's what she wants to do. And he says, don't cling to me yet because I have not yet ascended. But go to my brothers and tell them. This is what Jesus says in John chapter 20. He says, go to my brothers and tell them that I am going to my God And your God my father and your father and that twist opens up a new world because now it's not just Jesus who can say to God God I know you as father now it's also the disciples who can speak to God and say God is not just Jesus's father but God is our father too now Matthew speaks of God as Father a lot too, in fact there's some 45 times, 44 times, where Jesus Jesus speaks of God as Father in the book of Matthew. But in the Sermon on the Mount, where 17 of these occurrences take place, and they look like this, you can read that? Okay, great. Note the way that it shows up here in the Sermon on the Mount. It's not Jesus talking about my Father most of the time. It's your Father, your Father, your Heavenly Father, your Father, your Father, your Father, your Father, your Father. And Jesus wants his disciples to understand that the God of the universe, the very Creator God, is their Father. So when Jesus speaks to his disciples about what it means to pray, he doesn't say just direct your prayers to some abstract entity into the universe. But when you pray, say our father, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Because Jesus wants his disciples to understand that prayer is an exercise in the intimate. It's an exercise Not in performing for other people or even in performing for God, prayer is about connection, connecting with the God who already knows us as his children and the God who remains as our Father. And it's with that attentive understanding that Jesus is speaking of God as someone who is attentively always with us that prayer begins prayer begins with presence, not creating a new presence as though we dial God on the phone and then God like shows up and he wasn't there before, but now he is. Rather, we speak to the God who is already with us. It is God who is watching over us as his children to whom we speak. And so prayer begins with an understanding that God is always present with us. What prayer is, is turning our sacred attention to the already present God everybody with me there? The already present God. We are stripping away the illusion that we have created that God is not with us. And we are causing ourselves to recognize and pay attention to the fact that God is present with us. God is always present with us in every moment. And God is not more present with us when we pray, but we are recognizing that God is present with us. Okay, so this is this is the very essence of what prayer is. It's our attention to the present God, to the present Father who already is there deeply watching us and intimately knowing us for everything that we are, the one who knows what we need before we even say anything about it, right? We begin with that sense of God's presence. And when we make ourselves attentive to the fact that there is somebody in the room more important than we are, when there's somebody more powerful, more than, you know, with us always, then presence must give way to humility. And this is really the journey of prayer. The journey of prayer is when I open myself to becoming attentive to God's presence among me, then it causes me to become humble before God. It reminds me that I am not the Lord of the universe. Anybody else need to be reminded of that every now and again? Okay, just me? I have to remind myself. And the best way to do that, the best best way for me to regain perspective over who I really am is for me to come into God's presence, to bring me to recognize that God is present with me. And humility is a natural outgrowth of my understanding of God's presence. A proud person. Has not confronted the reality of God's presence. A proud person is living under the illusion, either that there is no God or under the illusion that God is not around. But when I be- dispel that illusion and remind myself of the attentive presence of God, then it's I'm able to have, at least for that moment, right, a space of humility. And humility is important because the moment that I come to recognize in humility who I am before God, then it opens up the space where I can become something different. As long as I maintain my pride, as long as I sit under the illusion that I'm in charge or I'm the most powerful person in the universe or that what I want matters more than what anybody else wants, as long as I'm in that space, then I'm going to deny any attempt to change me. But humility, humility that is created because of my awareness of the presence of God, that humility opens up the space of transformation. And all of a sudden, I'm able to be formed by God's presence with me. This is why prayer is a discipline. Because we need space in which we can recognize God's presence, be humbled by it, and then allow the Spirit of God to reshape us and reform us and recreate us. I think this is what the essence of prayer really is. It's this space where presence leads to a journey of formation. It leads to a space where I can say, God, really and truthfully, have your way with me. And that's why today, when we've come to this teaching, we're taking this space of Jesus is teaching about prayer and I want to let it take us to the table. Because that journey of presence and humility and formation, that journey of what prayer is, everything that I just said, we would normally put under the category of a teaching about personal prayer, the kind of thing that you do by yourself. And that's it, right? But notice that Jesus doesn't say, say my father in heaven. What does he say? How does it start? How does the prayer start? Our Father, because this is not just a prayer for the individual disciple. This is a prayer for the community of God's people too. And we don't just say, "Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done." And on earth as is in heaven. We don't say, "Just give me my daily bread." We say, "What? Give, give us." Our daily bread, we don't just say, forgive me of my sins. We say, forgive us of our sins or our debts or our trespasses, depending on which Bible you read. This is a prayer for all of us. And this same journey of presence leading to humility and to formation is true. It is true about our individual practices of prayer. But it's also true about how we pray together as the people of God. And where is it in our worship space that we are most attentive to the presence of God? Is it not the table? Is it not the space where we come and we say, I recognize and remember that the crucified and resurrected one is always present with me. Not just to me. The crucified and resurrected one is always present with with us. Isn't that why we come together? To be reminded of just that thing and to experience just that thing? in this bread, we remember that Jesus came and was made flesh, flesh that is represented by this bread in a body. And that in that body, Jesus gave himself for us. And how mysterious is it that that bread, that body of Jesus, which is represented in this bread, is also represented in this body, because the bread isn't the only thing that represents Jesus' body, is it? We are all together, kind of bound together into being Jesus' body together. Just as this bread represents Jesus' presence among us, so we represent to each other the presence of God as well and together we represent the presence of God for our community as we bear witness as the body of Jesus to Jesus' ongoing presence here in Little Rock. And this cup, this cup of the covenant Reminds us that Jesus's presence on Earth was not just something that happened a long time ago, but he has bound himself into an eternal covenant with us so that he is always with us. Isn't that what Jesus says at the end of Matthew? Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And surely this cup represents that, that covenant of Jesus, which is for us a reminder that he is always present. And we come to the table, we remember the presence in the body and in the blood. We remember that and we are driven to a moment of humility each week. And when we come together and we humbly recognize Jesus' presence at the table, shouldn't that also move us to change and transformation. The table of Jesus is a place where we are formed by the Spirit of God. Where we make ourselves again available to God and say, God, change me as you will. Make me new by your hand. So I want us to take this table, these emblems of the table today, Before we do that, um, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together. I've made um, a version of this, I've kind of added some other pieces in to help it be a a prayer for us for the table. So I want to invite you to pray the prayer with me today, and I'm going to ask you to pray the parts that are going to be in yellow, okay? And those are going to be uh, the pieces, you can go ahead and do the next one. Those are going to be the pieces uh, primarily which are the Lord's prayer as he taught us. So if you would stand with me. I know it's confusing for the preacher to say stand but not sing. But you know. Stand with me. And let us pray together. Let us come to the table of Jesus. For he is the one who brought us to God and who taught us to pray, saying our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Who is also present with us at this table in this place, which is made sacred by your name. And that of your son and the presence of your Holy Spirit. May your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May we who await your kingdom, who are gathered into kingdom fellowship at this table, bear witness to you, our Lord, by seeking your will together, that by the power of your spirit, your will might be done among us. Give us this day our daily bread. May we be constantly nourished by your Son, the true bread which has come down from heaven, whose presence we know in this moment of communion. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven those indebted to us. May the grace that we have freely and abundantly received Be the grace we freely and abundantly give to those that we meet at this table. And also to those that we meet before we gather here again. Lead us not into temptation. For though we are weak, we desire to serve you with pure hearts and clean hands. But deliver us from the evil one. For you are our only hope for deliverance and salvation. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Amen. Let us take the bread and the cup as we celebrate the table of God's presence. If you'll remain standing, I'm not going to talk for long here, but I do want to say that this is a good moment for us to have a word of invitation together as well. Because it it may be that today, gathered around the table of Jesus, attended to his presence and humility, this may be a moment where you are allowing God to take your life in a new and different direction too. This may be a formative moment for you. And that's really what the invitation recognizes is that there may be a space where you or any one of us has felt God's call to be changed and be different. This may be the moment here at the table of Jesus, where you have heard God, and are you or you you have been willing to say, "God, I do want to follow Jesus. I want to be someone that connects with God as my Father, just like Jesus did." This may be a moment. Where you recognize that as we follow Jesus together, that Jesus is calling you to become somebody different, to take on different habits, to change something in your life. And if this is that kind of moment for you, then we want to create space where you can speak that out loud. So if you've heard God's spirit in such a way, call you to something new or to something different today, and you wish to share that with the community of faith, This is the moment to do that as we sing together. Father God, just for today, help me walk your narrow way. Help me stand when I might fall. Give me a stream. To hear Your call, and may my steps be worship, may my thoughts be praise, may my words bring honor to Your name, and may my steps be worship, may my thoughts. Be praise, may my words
1: bring honor to your,
0: your name. May my steps be worship. May my thoughts be praise. May my
1: words bring
0: honor to Your. My steps be, be worshipped, worship. may, may my thoughts be raised, may, may my words bring honor, honor to the morning. Maybe seated. So Pam's come, she's been joined by Katie, and she says that they need prayers because of the difficulty of getting along with their son. And they want us to pray uh, so that they can do that better. So let us pray together, and let's pray for uh, the for peace and reconciliation, and let's pray for God's Spirit to be present with us. Oh, holy God, you have said that if we ask that you would give freely of your spirit. And so today we pray that you would be with Pam and Katie. Pam has said that they need more help in getting along, dealing with her son. And so, Father God, we pray in the name of Jesus, that you would provide just what they need. And we pray that your spirit would renew their hearts and create an openness to your love in their house, so that just what they have asked for would be given to them. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen